And I am absolutely super excited about this campaign that we're in. And, and I'll confess to you, like I've done the other services, I'm like a kid that's gearing up for Christmas, and I'm like afraid to get real excited because, and, and, because there's some human factors involved in here, okay? And um, I'm just really praying that you guys will get behind this, you will grab a book, you will get plugged into a life group. This has the power, as, as all things we do, has the power to really... Uh, bring some freedom within your life to see people grow, to see bondage broken, to see lives being utterly transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. But it's only going to take place if you choose to allow that to happen. I can't make that happen. A program can't, or a campaign can't make that happen. The only thing that make that happen is by you opening your heart and your, your uh, spirit to God's spirit and allow him uh, to, to share with you some of these truths that we're going to be discovering through this series. Um, each week as I talk on Sunday morning, it's going to be a little bit different in the sense of in the past... Our campaigns, what you've heard on Sunday morning, uh, you saw kind of the same thing and heard the same thing through a DVD in your life group, and you read the same thing in a book, which means that some of you didn't read your book, right? This one's not like that. I'm going to be uh, waxing on eloquently on Sunday morning about things that are vastly different than the book. Just kidding. But, it, but I, will be, I will be, what I'm going to try to present on Sunday morning are, are extreme, uh, are very foundational truths that I believe that if we understand this right here and build on this, then when, when we sit in our life groups and read the book, it's, we're going to be able to see the outcome of that. Does that make sense? If we, uh, if we're, if we're, uh, if we understand the truth, the our behavior and the way we live our lives demonstrates itself out properly. Does that make sense? And so, so when when I read the book, uh, to me, um, and I don't want to sound like I'm putting the book down or anything like that, but to me, the book talks about kind of how it's demonstrated out on a, not a superficial way, but on a, I feel like I'm burying myself the more I talk about this. Am I making sense at all? I think it's the heat in here. Let me just start and we'll just go from there, okay? (laughs) I'm rattled. I'm going to be presenting some truths here that I think if we really grab these, it's going to, our lives are going to be able to be shaped vastly different. And so with that being said, um, you know, one of the things, uh, if you've been in church very long, there's some songs that we sing such as um, uh, The Power and the Blood. How many of you have ever heard the song The Power and the Blood, the old hymn? Have you heard that song? Um, it's, it's a great song. It talks about uh, what can wash my sins away, nothing but the blood of Jesus. And so... Um, in that song, it's a very powerful song singing about the truths of the blood of the Lamb, the blood of Jesus Christ, the blood that was shed as a sacrifice for you and I. And by, by the blood washing over us, it literally removes sin. And now God looks at our, us and doesn't see brokenness. He doesn't see sin, but He sees the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. We sing songs like that. We sing songs like we did this morning that have uh, truths in them that talks about the power that we have, the power that we have uh, to live this life, uh, the power that we, that we get from from Jesus Christ. We sing those songs and we believe those things. We read scriptures that says stuff like this, where Jesus said, um, I have come to give life and give life to the fullest. Uh, we read scriptures, which we'll talk about this one found in John 8, uh, chapter 8, where he says, Jesus says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We sing, we read, we, we, we see all those things, but yet some of us live or, or many believers struggle with their identity. How is that? How is it that we struggle with our identity? How, meaning, that, meaning that, you know, we, 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 we have this sense of, um, you know, our identity is based upon what we do versus who we are. Does that make sense? 
These are foundational truths that you may have heard before because we've we've talked about these things. These are very elementary things, but for some reason, we lose sight of it. And for, there, there are some of you sitting here this morning, you've been, a, you've been a believer for a long time, but yet you struggle with your identity. You struggle with security. You struggle with this sense of significance. You struggle with a sense of, a sense of self-worth. You may not struggle with all of those, but, 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 but some of us could say, I struggle with that one, I struggle with that one, I struggle with that one. And it's true, we struggle with those things, and, we, and our spiritual maturity is not where, we, where it should be. How many of us, you know, if we said, you know, if we, truth be known, if we went around the room and said, how's your spiritual walk? You know, could some, would some of us in here say, you know what, it stinks. I don't feel close to God. I feel like I'm going backwards. I feel like I'm slipping. I don't feel like what it used to be. I don't feel like, you know, uh, I, it doesn't feel like it should be where it, where it needs to be. And so, but yet we sing those songs, we read those truths within the Scripture, but all along we still struggle with all this stuff. Why is it that we as believers struggle with that kind of stuff? And, and, I, and I think ignorance is probably the primary reason. When I say ignorance, I'm not saying that in a derogatory way. I'm saying it in the sense of lack of knowledge. Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, the pro, God uh, speaks through the prophet and he says this, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Guys, that's us today. That's us today. Some of us are sitting, sitting in here this morning. The enemy has blinded us. The enemy has this veil over our eyes. We don't know the truth, or we don't practice the truth, or we don't live in the truth of what the Word of God says. And consequently, because of that, we struggle with our identities. We struggle with self-worth. We struggle with feeling accepted. We struggle with feeling like we belong. You name it. There's things in there. And the enemy has us exactly where he wants us, useless and ineffective and discouraged. And if the enemy can keep you in that position, he's got you exactly where he wants you. You may not be committing adultery. You may not be committing murder. You may not be doing some of the big things we would say, wow, those are big sins. You may not be doing any of those. But you may just be simply busy with your life. And you're going about your life. You don't spend a lot of time in God's Word. Therefore, you don't really know a lot of the truths. You don't understand some of the things you're experiencing in your life because you don't know and and you're not building your life upon some of the truths that Jesus is communicating. And Satan has you exactly where he wants you. You are rendered helpless and useless. But yet the Word of God says, if we know the truth, the truth will set us free. As we live our lives in that sense of, uh, um, you know, that sense of um, ineffectiveness, often what we show on the outside is this false front that says, everything's okay, right? Everything's okay. Hey, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great. Hey, how's it going? You know, I haven't seen you for a little while. How's it going? Oh, things are going great. How's the family? Well, ah, it's going great. Good, good. And all along, we're hiding behind this false front that says, Everything is far from being okay. I'm hurting. I'm broken. I don't feel accepted. I don't feel loved. I don't feel like that I have a sense of safety or security. I don't feel right. But yet we project this false front, and that's what we're going to read about in the book. We're going to read about various various um, uh, false versions of ourselves that we erect and we hide behind, and we say, this is who we are. But all along, we're covering up all these negative, emo- these negative feelings that we have about ourselves. Listen to what an individual by the name of Maurice Wagner says. I think this is a very profound statement. This person says, Try as we might, by our appearance, our performance, 
or social, or social status defines self-verification for a sense of being somebody, we always come short of satisfaction. Regardless of all these things, regardless of our appearance, Regardless of our performance, I mean, we're really, strug- we're really trying hard. You know, our social status, you know, the level that we're trying to get to, to find that self-verification that we're all searching for, that sense of being somebody, we always come up short. They go on to say this, short of satisfaction, they go on to say this, whatever the pinnacle of self-identity we achieve, it soon crumbles under the pressure of hostile rejection or criticism, introspection, guilt, fear, or anxiety. Can you relate with that? Where, you, man, you've, you're working hard to keep it together. I mean, you're, you're working hard to keep it together. You think, well, if I just do this, if I do that, if I perform, if I, if I make this happen, this happen, this happen, this happen, then I'm going, to, I'm going to feel good about myself. I am going to be happy. When, and, and, then, and then something happens through someone criticizing us. Someone comes along, doesn't accept us. We have this hostile rejection. We start thinking about us. We're, we are our own worst critics. Whatever it may be, guilt, fear, anxiety, it all comes crumbling down. They go on to say this. We cannot do anything to qualify for the byproduct of being loved unconditionally and voluntarily. There's nothing we can do to receive the byproduct of being loved unconditionally and voluntarily. And guys, let's just be truthful. Let's just get it all out in the open right now. There's not a single person in here that would say, I don't want to be loved unconditionally. If you truly believe that, you are living in a lie. If you're sitting in here this morning and you say, you know what, I don't care if I feel accepted or not. I don't care if I feel, be- if I feel like I belong or not. I don't care if, I'm making, if I have this sense of self-worth or this sense of significance or anything like that. Guys, you know what? The enemy has you and he's got you exactly where he wants you. You know why? Because you were never created that way. You were never created that way. We were created to find significance, to feel this sense of safety and security and belonging, all of that stuff, we were created for that. We weren't created to get it from other people. We weren't created to get it from other, other uh, places other than God himself. But that is how we were created. And ever since everything got messed up in the Garden of Eden, we have been on this quest, on this journey, to fulfill the things that once was natural. We now try to fill them in ways that we can never find it. And some of us will be on that journey our whole lives and go to our deathbed trying to achieve something you will never, ever, ever be able to achieve. But you are convinced that you can because the enemy has you blinded and has a veil over your eyes. Guys, this campaign, as it teaches the Word of God, can set you free. The question becomes, do you really want to be set free? Because if you do, that means that you're going to have to open your heart and your spirit to the power of God's spirit. And he may, be, he may illumine things to you that, that, that need to be eradicated out of your life and you need to let go. He may, be illuminate, he may illuminate things to you in your life where you may have to share that with someone else so that you can receive healing. And that's hard stuff. Because if we're searching for acceptance and we open up and, and out of vulnerability and transparency and we don't get acceptance in return, but we get what? Rejection or someone being judgmental, we're going to shut down, and we're never, ever going to do that again, ever. And some of you, that's what's happened to you in the past. And Satan's like, I got them. I got them. So with that being said, I want to share with you uh, some very foundational truths, 
things that we all know, but things that we, we just let slide by us, and, and, and consequently, we, we, it's hard for us to live in the truth. I want to take us back to Genesis, because before the fall, and when we talk about the fall of man, essentially what that is, is when sin entered into this world. God created everything perfect. In fact, when we go back and read the creation story, and we read how he created things in six days, and on the seventh he rested, but on the six days as he created things, it says in, in, in various translations, it's worded different, but it says that he saw it, and he saw that it was good. He looked at it, he saw that it was good. Meaning that God looked at his creation and said it was good. Everything God created, he said it was good. Except for one thing, which is kind of interesting. Uh, in, in verse, uh, I believe chapter 2, verse 18, he said, It's not good for man to be alone. And that's when he created Eve, right? And that's when everything went to pot, correct? No, I'm just kidding. That's another one that never gets old, you know? And I just keep throwing it out there. Um. But God created everything. He created everything good. So before the fall of man, which would be before sin entered into the world, there were some things that, that just happened automatically. Number one, this whole sense of significance, this whole search of significance wasn't a quest. It was given automatically. Humanity was given dominion over all creatures, over all creation. God creates this beautiful world, this beautiful creation that he says it was good and it was perfect. He creates man. He creates woman, man, mankind. He creates these two individuals. And so he places them there and he says, I'm giving you dominion dominion over all of my creation, meaning that I want you to rule over all of my creation. And so you talk about f- feeling significant and feeling self-worth. It was there. He, they had safety and security. All needs were provided. They didn't have to search for things. They didn't have to go out try, you know, looking for, for uh, the sense of safety and security. By the way, guys, you know, again, I'm just going to interject these into, in, into this. Uh, you, we all know this. Uh, when we don't receive safety and security, significance, those kind of things growing up, man, we are on a quest. That starts our quest. And throughout life. That's what we're searching for. We're searching for that safety and security, that belonging, that acceptance. And so all needs were provided. The second, the, another one that was there was belonging. Even though Adam, he, he had this incredible intimate one-on-one communion with God, he cre- even though he had that with God, God looked at it and said, you need to have someone else. You need to have another person. And so he created Eve and he established this, this, this awesome human community. Now that's hard to say because... We live in a world where, where human community is not awesome. We live in a world where you reject me, I reject you. We live in a world where your wife rejects you and, 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 and love is not unconditional, where your husband doesn't extend love back to you and you feel rejected and all this other stuff. And so when we think about the garden, we think about when things were perfect and we see that everything was created, um, uh, was created uh, in perfection, human community, that's hard to get around. But, but, this, but the sense of it was there was this meaningful, open, sharing relationship with one another. It was... It was uh, it was perfect, but yet something happened. God says, God places them in the garden. He says, I don't want you to do, basically gives them a couple of choices, really one, and says, uh, there's, a couple, there's a tree here, and I don't want you to eat from that tree. Out of their choice, they chose to eat out of the tree. And in Genesis chapter 3, if you would turn there with me, we read about the implications of what took place after they ate of that tree, after they made that decision. And however you want to word it, most Bibles will say the fall of man, sin enters into the world. However you want to word it, what happened was man rebels against God. And because of that, everything is screwed up from that point on. Okay, Now the world is broken. Now things are not perfect. But listen to the uh, judgments that God is placing upon uh, 
uh, the, the individuals that were part of this. He says in verse 14, So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, meaning the, uh, Satan who embodied the serpent, uh, he said, Cursed are you above all livestock, livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put intimacy between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. And, and get this, this is the first, this is the first prophecy or, or a picture of, of, of reconciliation, of Jesus Christ coming into the world. And he says this, He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. To the woman he said this, I will greatly increase your pain in childbearing. With pain you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and you ate from the tree, which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. By the way, it's very interesting when you read that whole passage. Go back and read it sometime. Um, it seems to indicate that Adam was right there with her. And, and, and he was right there with her when she ate, when she was talking to a serpent, which is another interesting thing. Apparently, talking animals didn't freak them out, right? But Adam was with him. Adam was with her. Read the story. It's really interesting when you kind of look into some stuff and you're like, what? I didn't know, you know, he was right. So anyhow, uh, so he eats of it too. And he says, uh, God gives him the judgment, says, cursed is the ground because of you through through painful toil. You will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. And you will eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your brow. You will eat your food until the return, until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken for dust you are, and dust you will return. And so, what was once perfect is now all messed up. Now we're living in a fallen world. Once was some of the things that were naturally received are now not naturally received. Now man's got to go out and get his own food, and he's got to work the ground and all this other stuff. Women will, women will go through uh, childbearing in a painful sense, and, and all these other things. And so, and so now what happens is, as we take a look at the fall, and this is all critical, very important for you and I as we live in our world today, is this. After the fall, we see some things taking place. We see spiritual death. They died spiritually. They were banned from the garden. What once was a time where they literally walked with God in His presence physically, had this incredible intimate communion with Him. It says like in the evening they would come together and they would walk together. Now that's all separated. Now that's been destroyed. And so now they have this spiritual death, which you know they were separated from God's presence. Uh, they lost knowledge of God. He and Eve lost their, their true perception of reality, and the idea of knowing was no longer relational, which before it was all relational. Does that make sense? They walked with God. They spent time with God. They were physically there. It was, a re, it was very, very relational, and now they lost all of that. In fact, Ephesians, Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of their ignorance that is, the, that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Again, the aftermath of this, uh, this uh, sin effect. Uh, they lost the true knowledge of God. In the original design, again, knowledge was relational. They're, they began to have this, this, these dominant negative emotions. They became fearful and anxious, right? God comes and he asks the question, hey, where are you guys at? Which I think is another humorous question, right? God knew where they were at. But they, but they were what? They were scared. Why? Because they did something they knew they weren't supposed to do. And so now they have these, this onset of, did they have them before? 
No. Now they have this, this onset of dominant negative emotions that says, man, I'm fearful. I'm fearful. I'm, I'm anxious. I have this shame, this guilt, another bypro- emotional byproduct. And so what happens is, guys, fast forward to our day today. Now we have the, anytime we encounter these kind of things, instead of being true and honest a lot of times with, with, with ourselves and with God and others, we erect, we erect these, these false fronts. It says, okay, I'm okay. I'm fine. I don't have anything going on in my life. Everything's okay. When all along we may be experiencing guilt, shame, or fear, and anxiety, all this other stuff. But yet we want to communicate that everything's fine. And so humankind becomes depressed and angry after the fall. Another thing happens is we're given a lot of choices. If you think about it, when they're in the garden, the only choice they have is what? To either eat or not eat of the tree, whether that's two or one choice, however you want to look at it. But they had a choice. They could either eat of the tree or not eat of the tree. They... We are bombarded constantly with choices now, right? When you leave this place right now, you are going to walk out through those doors, you're going to go out into your world, and you're going to be faced with many choices. Are you going to, continue, are you going to live out your life the way this book says you should live out your life? Are you going to build your life on the truth that the, that the Word of God tells you to? Are you going to live your life in a way that, that's going to bring life to the fullest? Or are you going to choose to do it differently? There's going to be hundreds of choices you're going to face constantly on a daily basis all of these choices and as a result we're confronted with these all the time the next one here uh, these attributes became needs and as we look at this this is i want to spend a few moments on these but these attributes what once what once were just commonly given now have become needs the first one is acceptance instead of being accepted it was replaced by rejection and now we have this sense of belonging and we have, the, we, you know, we have experienced this deep need to belong. Every single one of us sitting in here this morning has this sense to belong. There's no way that you're going to convince me and say, you know what, I don't really need to belong. You know, I don't really have that within me. Guys, Satan's got you veiled. Satan's got your eyes veiled. This is what, you know, we, we, we will do things to earn that acceptance and belonging. The second one is this one. Innocence was replaced by guilt and shame. Therefore, you know, therefore, there's this need for a legitimate sense of worth that has to be restored. This identity crisis that says, you know, I, I need to, um, this, this negative self-image that we have. You know, we have this sense of, instead of having a, you know, for it being uh, innocent, and God just accepts us. Now we, have, we struggle with this whole guilt and shame. The, third, the last one is this, dominion. When he gave dominion towards us. By the way, you may not hit on all three of these or all, you know, whatever ones you know, that we talk about, whatever the ones that Ortberg talks about in his book, you may not struggle with every single one of them, but chances are you're going to be, that's mine right there. That's the one I struggle with. You know, and so every, all of these in here may be hitting different people. But uh, when, when God looked at Adam and said, this is my creation, I want you to rule over it, I'm giving you dominion over it, that was replaced, that strength was replaced through, through, from the fall, was replaced with weakness and helplessness, which means now we're control freaks, are we not? We can't control things. We have this desire to control things. We have this desire to make sure everything around us is in place. But, but ultimately, we don't have that type of control, do we? Some of you think you do. Some of you, in your quest in life, you think you can control. You, you're control you, may, you may struggle with controlling your spouse, your kids, whatever it is. Situations around you. You're in this, 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 this mind frame that says that essentially I can be God. 
That's what, that's what you're doing is in a self-controlled manner. And so, and so what, was, what once were attributes, meaning things came naturally, now they've literally turned and they're literally biting us. And now they become, now they become things that you and I are going to be struggling with throughout our walk, uh, with G, our walk in our spiritual maturity. Now, this is it right here, guys. John 8.32, Jesus says this. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. This is what we're going to spend our time in this campaign trying to understand. The truth. And the truth will set you free. Guys, and, I, and, I, and I'm going to repeat this because I think it's, it needs to be repeated. It's worth to be repeated. Satan, this is, this is elementary, foundational elementary Christianity 101. Satan's got an issue with God. He wants to destroy God. He can't. So the thing he's going to target next is God's most beloved object, if you would say, and that is you and I. Now, if Satan can get you to the point to where you're blinded, you're veiled, where you don't understand the truth, you're going to literally be held in bondage your whole life with things. Some of you in here this morning, you're, again, we, whatever it is, take performance for, or take, take acceptance for, for, uh, for an example. Some of you in here this morning think that in order for you to be accepted, you have to earn the favor of someone else. And so what you do is you create the version of yourself that's going to get the acceptance from that particular person. The problem with that is you're on a huge quest. Because just as there is many people in here, you would have to create versions of yourself for every single person that you come in contact with. Because you want their acceptance, right? That's tiring. That's not only tiring, it's impossible. But that's what we do. That's the amazing part. That's what we do as humans. We live out of these false versions of ourselves that says, well, if I need to get acceptance, I'm going to create a version of myself that this person will accept. And so we start becoming these performance junkies that try to, that try to earn acceptance from other individuals. And, and, and that really doesn't feed the monkey is what, you know, the expression. It really doesn't work. Because our acceptance comes from God viewing us through the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. You see... It comes down, and this is, these are some things I'm going to print off for you guys next week. It comes down to the truths of who we are in Jesus Christ. That's what it comes down to. And those truths are things like this. We are children of God. We are sons of the King. We are co-heirs with Jesus Christ. Guys, when we go through the Word of God and we see who we are in Jesus Christ, that is the truth. And when we build our lives upon those truths that says, you know what? I don't need to earn the acceptance of other people. The only acceptance I really need to think about is God. And when we begin to live our lives out of that, it free, literally frees us from going around being somebody that we're not. And it literally enables us to live a life with joy for once. Isn't that amazing? Some of us, man, we're, we're frustrated. Some of you sitting here this morning, man, you're frustrated, you're upset, you're, you're always, you can't put your finger on it. It's because you're trying to, you're trying to, you're not, you don't understand the truth. Your identity in Jesus Christ. 
In this campaign, we are going to discover who we are in Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you something. That's why I'm like a kid at Christmas time. Because I want to tell you something, guys. If we become a church of people that begin to understand who they are in Jesus Christ, do you realize what kind of a church we're going to be? Do you realize how contagious it's going to be for other people? They're going to want to be around you. They want that. They're living in a fallen world too where it's like they just want a sense of belong. They just want to be accepted. They just want to have this sense of safety and, and self-worth and significance and all of that. Everybody wants that. And when people begin to discover that, that through their relationship with Jesus Christ, their identity in Jesus Christ, we become people that we're, there's people that's going to be around saying, I, what is it that you have? Because I want that. And here's the other thing, guys. If Satan has you blinded from the truth, you're sitting here this morning, and, and, and things that happen to you, you, you we, we say stuff like this, well, that's what I deserved. I just deserve those things. Guys, Satan is going to do anything to keep you in a position of not knowing who you are in Jesus Christ. And through this campaign, we are going to discover some things. And I pray, I'm telling I pray that you will be a people, a person that opens up your heart and your spirit and your mind and says, God, I'm ready to understand the truth and to live in that truth and be set free from some of these things. It's going to be, it's going to be awesome. And I just pray that you will do that. I pray that you will get plugged into a life group. I pray that you will read your book. I pray that you will continue to come on Sunday mornings and uh, at our encounter services here and just worship God, glorify Him. Because when you begin to get set free and you begin to share your story with other people, it's going to ignite this place. And that's what I want to be a part of. And I know that's what you want to be a part of too. So I pray that you will just continue to get behind that. Open up your hearts to God. I'm going to close this out with a word of prayer. But I pray that you would just keep your minds and, and your hearts open to Him. Allow the Spirit to just connect with yours. And uh, if you've got any questions, stick around. We'll try to get those answered. We'll try to get whatever it is, life groups, books, whatever it is. Stick around and let's, uh, let's work through that. Let me close with a word of prayer. Why don't we stand as we do that, as, we, um, as I lead us in that prayer. God, um, Father, we know that there's a life out there that, that you want us to experience. And that's a life that's been set free by, by you, by knowing the truth and building our lives upon that truth. Father, would you please just allow your spirit to break through the walls of our hearts and our minds so that we may experience that and embody that and be set free. And God, I pray for individuals in here today that are struggling with that. God, that they would, this would be the time where their spiritual walk would just break through. God, that they would just shoot through all of this stuff and find incredible healing in your love. God, I pray that you would just, again, just give us the, the, the um, courage to do just that. God, for those that have been uh, set free and been living in that, I pray that you continue to strengthen, continue to encourage. God, just make this place an awesome place uh, for people to come and just experience your love and your truth. And I pray this all in the powerful name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.